Randy Rainbow on the hot seat. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. This is TFG Unbuttoned. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, John T. Nash. We're here every Tuesday. It's our Tuesday podcast called Unbuttoned, which is a compliment to our Wednesday show, which is the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. If you go to focusgroupradio.com, you can find lots of information about John and me, as well as all of our programming in audio and video form, and it's all free. So you can download on any of the multiple platforms that you choose over there. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Critics' Choice Video who've been with us since the beginning of TFG Unbuttoned. You can find them also on our site at focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Critics' Choice Video logo and start shopping. So, Mr. Nash, how are you? I'm good. I was uh, Before the show, I was having a slight flashback to the SiriusXM satellite radio days. Why? <laughs> I was uh, brushing my teeth, and I looked in, the, <laughs> looked in the mirror, and I saw a couple of uh, eyebrow hairs that I thought, oh, I should trim those. And I, had a, I started laughing immediately because I remember a day where I walked in the studio and you're sitting there and you're in your, you know, you were in the, the Romaine corner, the control, the master control seat. Everybody else thought it was where I was sitting, but no, you had the full view of the room and you have the, to glass see the room, wall. right? You got to see the room. So you're sitting there and you're like, we're chit-chatting. You said, do you notice anything? Do you notice anything? And, and you're like, at, I'm looking at you. I'm like, mm, tell you look fine. And you're like, and then you, you started to laugh and you said that, uh, Richard had said something to you about, here's how the barber does, trims your eyebrows, and right. you decide to do it, and I think you shaved them off. <laughs> yeah, they were. Lo- I don't think they came all the way off, but they were quite short. And it's funny, because I've thought of that again today. I thought, this, it's funny, we've had the same thing. I thought, you know, I probably should trim my eyebrows, because I haven't got my hair cut, which I'm a little bit... Um, I might, I might try to get my hair cut this week, but Richard said he'd give me a thousand dollars if I grew my hair, grew my hair until the end of the year. So December 31st. And I had visited with a friend over the weekend and, uh, he had told me he thought I looked a little like Steve Bannon. (laughs) That's not a pleasant comparison in my book. Right. And I said, well, that's not the look I was going for. And, uh, so I thought, well, maybe I need to cut my hair followed up by another friend and she said to me you kind of look a little like captain kangaroo except you don't have the bangs and i was like you know what i gotta get this haircut so the hair is pretty long in the back and um so i don't know i've got to make a decision thousand bucks oh. or do i let it go so how many months is that i would have september october november december so four months i don't know what do you think i um I like looking neat and clean, so it's not a question of maybe having it cut, but maybe it's just having it styled, right? Right. And then I thought, you know, the way it is now, it's a little shaggy. I thought it, if it gets styled, I, you know, you fall. You know, I don't want to look like Shirley Partridge <laughs> you know, for the Partridge family. You got one of those, what are those dudes they all wear? The shag haircut, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So what is the deal? Is the is the is the idea that? If a pair of scissors come even close to your hair, the bed is off. I mean, yeah, no, growing... I can't have any cuts. No cuts. I got to oh, let it go. Then, mm, I don't know. He I, didn't want I me would've... to shave either. He wanted me to grow this long beard. And I was, it's all gray. I said, I is is this that. where this all is coming from? Yeah, Richard. Richard thought it would be funny. Not funny. He, I, well, I don't know what he thinks. 
He, he said he thought I should grow my my beard long, like a ZZ Top sort of thing, and let my hair go. Yeah, because I got to tell you something. Um, Steve Bannon or, um, you know, Captain Kangaroo <laughs> are not the universe I would want to be in. The universe I'm in is someone came up to me recently and told me I resembled Woody Harrelson. I'll take that. I'll take that any day. Woody Harrelson's a you know Cheers guy, and he's been in some great movies and shows. And then someone once told me I look like either Corey Hart or Billy Idol. But see, those are folks further in, in a different spectrum than Steve Bannon or Captain Kangaroo. I see Woody Harrelson. I don't see, I don't see, uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Well, it was uh, Corey, no, was it Corey? I forget. Oh, Billy Idol. Doesn't Billy Idol. Billy Idol. I don't see that at all with you. That was when I was in college and I had hair and it was like spiky and stuff. So that could have uh, been the the thing. But the hair, Woody Harrelson is is definitely... In my opinion, I would take it in a second flat. Well, I don't know. Have you seen him recently? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's aging, but, um, you know. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Well, well, you know, let me just go back to two names, Steve Bannon and Captain Kangaroo. Well, listen, so I love, the, I love yeah, the attack the, dog. You know, have you seen him lately? Well, yeah. Have you seen Captain Kangaroo and Steve Bannon lately? Yeah. Well, Captain Kangaroo's dead and Bannon's behind bars. <laughs> I assume Captain Kangaroo's dead. Right. Airlifted off a yacht. And you and I were just air, uh, joking about airlifting people off ships in general. Um, deservedly so. Both deservedly yeah. so. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, hey, we have three stories. Thanks for joining us this week. We have three stories to share with you. The first one's been in the news a lot, and we felt um, we needed to address it. And we had it on our Facebook page as well for a response, which is uh, Focus Group Radio, if you please join and like our Facebook page. But it involves Randy Rainbow, who's a comedian. And um, about 10 years ago, they just, someone had discovered a number of tweets uh, that he had posted on social media that were racist, transphobic, uh, anti-Semitic. And he, he was trying to be a shock, shock jock sort of comedian, similar to maybe Lisa Lampanelli or Joan Rivers or Howard Stern or something, which was very much in vogue then. And he moved his, his brand or his shtick to more political satire. And he does a lot of these cabaret sort of shows or show tunes that kind of poke fun or that do poke fun at Trump and uh, and some of the folks on the right. And so there was this huge kerfuffle and uproar about whether uh, how do we hold Randy Rainbow, who's an, an openly gay, uh, gay comic, uh, how do we hold him accountable? And on our our um, feedback on both of our our Facebook feeds. Everybody kind of did buy Felicia or he's done or he needs to go away. A couple of people said, you know, it was a different time. We need to put it in context. And I was trying to figure out, I don't know exactly how I feel about this because I do agree with him. He finally apologized after, after, you know, about a week, I guess. And, um, and did address the fact that he, you know, it was a different time, but What's your take on this and holding folks accountable for things that they did 10 years ago or so? So you you hit it at the start when you said um, his defense and his apology came out of the fact that this was back in 2010, 2011, and it was shock jock humor and, and the standards were a little bit different, except here's the problem that I have with that. Nine years ago wasn't a century ago. And some of the stuff that they actually pulled off his Twitter account um, 
I don't know that I would actually find it funny then, and I don't even find it funny today. Are we allowed to read any of this? Do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I didn't understand some of it, and I thought some of it was just some of it was just cheap shots at, at racial stereotypes. So here's one of them. He says, "This snow is like all the guys I sleep with. Looks all white and pretty now, but by morning it'll seem more Hispanic, and my wallet will be gone." Like, I'm not even sure I would have laughed at that in 2010 because no. it's implying that there's that it's it's just it's crude, um, mega stereotype, right? Like, there's no there's no right. And this is a, and, and this is a total ripoff of the famous Lisa Lampanelli joke. Where she yeah. she tells a very similar similar joke, but and it and it got a big laugh, ha ha ha. You know, Lisa Lampanelli was probably the most recent, I guess, and she doesn't do this anymore. She's stopped doing all this kind of shock uh, humor, but she was the she was able to get away with all kinds of offensive, I would guess, humor that people laughed at because it was all stereotypes about either gender or about about racial, um, you know, ra- race and gender. And people laughed at it and she was able to get away with it. But then she has stopped, you know, she stopped, what, two years ago. And you're right about 10 years ago. You and I were on Sirius XM 10 years ago where you could have said anything. But we didn't. (laughs) But we didn't. And we were also pretty, but, and we would not have on some of this because you're right. When I read some of these things, I didn't understand. And a lot of people did ask. I didn't understand this joke at all. In honor of MLK Day last night, I had a dream. Natalie Portman and I were eating blizzards at Dairy Queen. You're welcome, black people. It it it, it it's like a 747 going over my head. Except, did you understand it? Because we had a number of people even ask on our on our Facebook page and said, "I don't get this one." I I didn't I didn't understand it either. I I don't. Maybe there's some inside thing I don't get. I don't know. Unless the only thing I could think of, and it it kind of makes me puzzle is is dairy queen associated with african-americans somehow you know because the whole the idea of eating a blizzard with natalie portman i don't know it just it just it was boy that was a clunker yeah yeah i didn't get it i didn't get it and then i do and, and then in his defense a little bit i guess in his apology um there were some issues revolved around humor around trans people and I would say uh, there were many people uh, included that um, very good intention people that danced around the trans issue in terms of what words were offensive or what wasn't. You remember the issues around the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. And yep. and uh, and RuPaul, when she had that thing that and um, her episode where she would do something called she-mail or something. You've got she-mail and they right. had to take that off. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, 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 in his defense, um, I do believe there's there was some um, some issue around the trans uh, the trans language because all of us were were a, a, a bit lost and needed to be educated on that. So I I understand that. I, I will say he did apologize. He did come forward and do it um, maybe a day later than he should have. I'm sure he consulted with a lot of people, but uh, I'm wondering if it will affect his career. You know, I thought you know Joy Reid, for instance, had posted a bunch of anti-gay stuff um about 10 years now ago. she's got a new show she denied it and yep. then she said she was hacked and then when it, she was confronted that she wasn't hacked and she actually did do it she said she couldn't believe she did it but you're right now she's got a new show and this goes back to what you and i say all the time um don't touch race but you could still go after gay gay people or lgbtq people and probably survive 
I'll, I'll it, it's it. such a the comedy landscape is so so weird and and again i go back to this you know comedy was so different uh back in 2010 no i i disagree with that remarkably i mean or strongly i should say and why do we know this well take a comic like jerry seinfeld right seinfeld doesn't even come close to touching words or issues that that randy rainbow did in some of those tweets 10 years ago seinfeld never did his humor is based on observation of the human condition in general it doesn't matter about your race your your gender you know the clothing you wear and he even had an op-ed in the times today about um, how new york's not dead it's going to be fine because it was in retaliation uh, in response to a, a guy that owns a stand-up club saying new york's dead but seinfeld even in that op-ed managed to be polite and courteous but funny at the same time without ever invoking certain terms or phrases so this wasn't this was interesting and to your question of is it going to affect his career i don't know um you know what i'm sure you found fascinating and i and i did too the comments this came from the article you pulled happened to come from queer tea right. and the comments were like there seemed to be no gray it was black and white. He apologized for moving on. How dare he do this? I'm never listening to him again. <laughs> there was right. nothing. There was no nuanced conversation like I think we're having now. But I, I bet he'll survive fine. It's just, it is what it is, right? It's just an early guy in his early 20s trying to break into stand-up. Do whatever you do to get noticed. And unfortunately, it was tropes and stereotypes that he was using on Twitter, which offers absolutely no um, shading. So let's say you're at a club and you're in front of human beings and you're performing and a joke bombs. Well, then you're going to move on to something else in your set, right? You put it on Twitter, you have no idea. It's just likes and, right? Right. What I was most, I mean, be, you know, before we beat this any further, I guess, <laughs> I what I didn't understand, and this is for all these folks that get caught with this, if you become all of a sudden, because he all of a sudden came on and he's done an Orbitz commercial, he's, he's, he's got millions and millions of views, he's, he's kind of the latest political satirist everybody loves, wouldn't you say, hmm, maybe I should go back and check <laughs> my social media and delete these things because they've all been deleted now. But wouldn't you think once he hit the, hit the big time that you would say, you know, we probably need to clean up our act a little bit? I don't know. I'll, I'll just say in closing, um, maybe... The answer is yes, but I wonder how daunting it would be to go back in your feed and look at everything you ever wrote. If if you're a serial Twitter tweeter, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So hey, this other this other story. Uh, why Tokyo's new transparent public restrooms are a stroke of genius. So there was uh, everybody knows around the world public toilets always get a foul rap. <laughs> Even in Japan, where restrooms have a higher standard of hygiene than most of the rest of the world, people have a and people harbor a fear for public toilets as they are dark, dirty, smelly, and scary. So the the Nippon Foundation has launched something they call the Tokyo Toilet Project, and they took sixteen well-known architects to renovate seventeen public toilets around one of the busiest commercial areas of Tokyo and come up with different ideas. And uh, and one of these here, they came up with these kind of translucent boxes that have some sort of, uh, they call it smart glass technology, so that you could see into the restroom, which uh, does two things, make sure that you know nobody's in there, and then I guess you could tell whether it's it's clean or not, and then when you get in there and lock the door, the, it goes opaque, 
and uh, then you leave. So that was probably one of the more popular designs that they had done in Tokyo. But I had seen the story as well. You had picked this story too. Um, what what did you, I had my own thought about it, but I'm wondering why did you pick this story? And I'll tell you why I, when I picked it. Oh, I thought it was super cool because of the they 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 worked with 16 well-known architects and one in particular who was a Pritzker prize winning architect um designed this transparent uh toilet and as Tim said you see into it and the colors range from light blue to mauve to green and you can see in but the minute you engage the lock the glass um it's a voltage moves through the glass and it actually makes it go from transparent to opaque so you can't see in and they actually had it on cbs this morning this past sunday they showed video of it how it worked i just thought it was cool because i happen to agree you know um you walk into look, take penn station please <laughs> now there's a joke from our lab <laughs> take penn station please you walk into that bathroom you know, you you never know what you're walking into. I mean, it's, it's maybe it was just maybe it's just been cleaned, likely not. You know who's been in there? Travelers, suitcases. This was one of those interesting things where you literally stare at it. You're like, oh, it's completely empty. I'm going to go in. You go in. You turn the door, and you're in privacy. You turn the lock, and I, I just loved it. I thought it was a clever idea. Yeah, my it's two things for me. There was a bar in Philadelphia that had the same technology, and there were two things uh, you could look in. So obviously, you look right through the the pane of glass and see nobody's in there. You go in. Some people were not smart enough to lock the door though. And they'd squat on the toilet. And so then people are saying outside, like, you know, we can see you. So you actually have to lock the door so that it goes opaque, but it still doesn't. What it would for me is, is yes, these are very cool looking and all the, uh, the designs were, were, were great as a art project, I guess, but it doesn't address the fact that people are pigs in the bathroom. And, and that's what I was trying to figure out is like, okay, these are great things they've done in the park, but is somebody, Still going in and cleaning them because how many times? Well, you you summed it up. They're the you know bathrooms are dirty, regardless oh, the, of how pretty um, they are, right? When they showed the this they 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 profiled these transparent things as I said on CBS this morning this past weekend, and they did show that um, ex- cleaning crews are are there every I think it was every hour hour and a half or something, and they wipe the surfaces down and stuff. And some of the, I think some of the fixtures in this, these, these bathrooms are also self-cleaning. So yeah, it's extremely right. clean. And, um, that's the other reason I loved it. I thought, well, if we did it here, I don't know if it'd be that clean, but at least in <laughs> uh, Japan, they are, they, they follow those rules They're, They, they, like clean things. Yeah, they do follow rules. So the rule followers, yeah. this, uh, this final story, um, John had found extending your hand for the sniff test is not the way to introduce yourself to a dog. So there was a post somebody put about um, everybody feels or we all, when we first encounter a dog for the first time, put our hands down and we don't do open hand. We do, you know, the the top of your hand for a dog to smell you. And uh, as a sign of, can I pet your dog or can I, uh, I'm a friend. And they said, this is somewhat the equivalent of if we, you know, we shake hands with people and touch hands. But if we had, what we're doing is we're putting something in the dog's face, which could be um, perceived as being threatening and uh or a threatening body posture and make the dog feel uncomfortable nervous or uh or just not happy to see you and they they said that that's really not the way we should be addressing people's dogs the first thing we need to do is ask if we can touch the person's dog and then get at like a 45 degree angle don't make eye contact because you could be threatening um i was reading through all this and i guess you know these are experts 
I wasn't so sure. I mean, I've you we've all done it a million times, right? We put our hand down for the dog to sniff you. Well, I I picked this because you're a dog owner, and I was really dead curious in your interactions when you've been walking the dogs if if this ever arose and you know our apartment building in the city um our neighborhood in general is very dog friendly we have a lot of cute dogs with a lot of personality and this just struck me as odd like the other day i was coming down to the lobby and i took the stairs instead of the elevator and there was a dog walker with um four dogs and you know the, they, they grouped them like his left hand had the two that got along on the left side and his right hand had the leashes for right. the two on the right. And one of them was a golden retriever. And I've seen this, this Goldie before. And I come down and golden retrievers always look to me like they cannot wait to engage and, and get to know you. I mean, there's just something about their face. So I walk into the lobby and I said, well, hello there to the, the golden retriever. The dog walks right over and puts his like puts his paws up on my legs a little bit and gets closer to my face and I start petting him. Super friendly dog, right? And the other one comes over uh, with, that was sharing that that dog walker side with the two leashes and it was a different breed, but that dog was also like very friendly and I just put my hand down and they sniffed it and I pet both of them. So it it ran contrary to what I was reading and that's why when I picked this, I thought maybe you could ex- maybe you could dispel the myth or, you know, I don't know. It it just struck me as odd. I I thought that was what you did. You let the animal know that you're approachable and that you're not dangerous. But basically, they're saying, "Uh oh, no! If you stand in front of them and you're looking right at them, you're a threat." <laughs> right. And the, you know, I I I have Spike, who who's the uh, the angry Chihuahua, and he, you know, I have a friend he absolutely hates, Bruce, and he's known Bruce for five years, but he's Cujo with Bruce. Now, other people, he'll just meet, and after 10 minutes, he's fine. So I was thinking maybe I'll use this technique for Bruce with kind of telling Bruce to stand at a 45-degree angle, don't make eye contact, and then I'll tell Spike that he's a friend, which is what I'm supposed to do, and then give him a treat, and he'll associate that with friend. But the most important thing here, I guess, because I do have to tell people that Spike is cute. He looks cute. He's 18 years old, but he's grumpy. And they said, you need to ask the dog owners, can I touch your dog or is it okay if I pet your dog? And I always tell everybody with Spike now, um, just because he he doesn't like people he doesn't know going at him. And I think you need to crouch down and, and, um, and get comfortable with you and let him bark and put on a big show and then he's okay. I'm, I'm going to, as, as we wrap up, I'm going to say I, that was the best piece of advice from the whole article. I'm, I'm not going to necessarily ignore the treats and the 45 degrees and everything else they said, but that asking the dog owner for um, explicit permission to interact with your pet, that was a big one because I learned that lesson the hard way. One of our neighbors has a, a miniature Doberman and I did what I always do, like I'm talking to the neighbor, and I instantly start to try to interact with the dog, and the dog nipped me uh, when I put my hand down. Oh no, she she doesn't always do that. You know, you must have scared her, and that. But but so now I'm just like careful about that. You know, ask permission. So I learned that by getting nipped. I wasn't wasn't a bad thing, but there you go. Those are our stories. Yeah, there you go. Um, So uh, as Tim mentioned earlier in the broadcast, we want to thank Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987 for bringing us to you every week. Visit focusgroupradio.com and you'll learn all about us and our Wednesday show, The Focus Group, which airs on YouTube and Facebook Live from 1 to 2 p.m. Of course, everything 
is warehoused at focusgroupradio.com. So that's all I need to know. Everybody, thank you again for uh, joining us this week and for listening to both shows. We appreciate it a great deal. Any comments or thoughts, letters at focusgroupradio.com and have a great week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.